Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, worship team. What a powerful presence of the Lord. Wow. A lot of events happened since last Sunday, and our hearts are all, you know, grieving and burdened over the things that we saw this week in the news. But one thing that as I close out this series on talking to God, listening to God, is that we can't allow fear to intimidate us. Fear is a trick of the enemy to stop us, to separate us from God. In fact, the Old Testament, they were afraid to talk to Yahweh. So they sent a spokesperson, uh, Moses by name, to go and speak on behalf of the people. And, uh, and, it, and, uh, and the Lord did speak to his people, and he, uh, and he gave ten laws that Moses, he gave to Moses to bring down. Uh, while he brought it down, they were already committing idolatry and all kinds of evil. And uh, Moses got angry through the tablets, had to go back up and get them again. And aren't you glad the Lord is so kind as to give them again? So he gave the Ten Commandments to us, and that's the law. That's what we know of as the law. The Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And then they had uh, established the... the um, Levitical priesthood, where they could set up the tabernacle with instructions to Moses from God to set up the tabernacle for worship, and uh, and God's presence was there. One of the greatest things about Oak Grove Assembly of God Church is that God is here. He is here, and He speaks, and He has His way, and He comes in, He goes out, He does whatever He wants because He's the Lord of this house. So there should not be any fear in here. So wherever the presence of the Lord is, there should not be any fear. And so on we go. He speaks through the prophets. I don't want to bore you. I'm just taking you on a little mini arch through the Bible. Hey, on we go through the prophets. He speaks to the prophets. The prophets speak to Israel. And the Lord disciplines them. Sometimes they are obeying God and sometimes they're rebelling. When they obey God and have a good king, they succeed and blessed. They disobey God's word and have a bad king, they are curse for sure. Seems like uh, not everything goes well. But God, up and down, he goes with them. Aren't you glad for the grace of Almighty God? How merciful is our God? How compassionate, how kind, how loving. And uh, and so we go all the way through. Uh, from the tabernacle, we go to the temple where the Lord's glory rests. David couldn't build the temple. Solomon did build the temple. And uh, God blessed the temple on that day. The priest couldn't even stand to minister for the glory of the Lord was in the house. How many love it when the glory of God shows up in the house? I love it. I live for that. Take your glory from here, Lord. You might as well take me out of here too. Nothing to be here for if the glory of the Lord is not here. Although I love you, we need him. I need you and I love you, but we definitely need him and love him. This is a worship service, and our worship is reserved for one, Yahweh God. Amen? We're here to worship the Lord and learn from his word and live for him and listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks. And then we go uh, into Ezekiel. We see the glory of the Lord departed, the wickedness of man, and glory leaves. 400 years we have no glory until one day down in Bethlehem, the glory comes back. I'll be glad for what Jesus did in the incarnation down in Bethlehem. The glory of the Lord came and it came in the form of a star over the stable there. It's not just any star. It's the Shekinah glory of God. I mean, if a star 
came into our atmosphere, how many know scientifically it would burn up a few things? Yeah, no, no. Supernatural divine presence of God led not only the kings from the east, but it led uh, uh, everyone to that stable, even the shepherds. God is no respecter of persons. You could be a king from the east or a shepherd in the west. Wouldn't matter, right? Doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. The glory of the Lord is with us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He came back. But then 33 and a half years later, he left. But 50 days after that, the glory came back. Hallelujah. And that's a little quick uh, right through to the book of Acts chapter 2. And uh, here we are in the church age. How many know we're at the end of the church age? How many sense that the day of the Lord is coming soon? That is, that is two things. There is the rapture of the church, and then there is the second coming. And between those two great events, there is the tribulation. And, uh, and when you read Revelation, and Melissa and I have been looking at Revelation all week, uh, in light of the, some of the things that are happening in the Middle East, um, just got word on the news in Thailand, Jake and Joanna said the Euphrates River is big news. Euphrates River is drying up. Yes, definitely. Uh, they think it's global warming, but how I many know oh, it's global, all right? It's more like a global warning. And God is going to dry it up. That's what Revelation says. The Lord himself is going to dry up the river Euphrates. 200 million, 200 million soldiers are going to walk across that to attend the Battle of Armageddon where the Lord's going to annihilate them. How I many know oh, the Lord wins? I don't know what you're fearful of today, but redemption always wins. So I want to talk about this because after that day, there'll be a thousand years where Satan's locked up. We'll have a millennial reign, a thousand years with Christ. Then after that, it's unleashed, and then Gog and Magog, and then the judgment, and then the new heavens and the earth. And that's just the end from the beginning to the end. I'm glad you enjoyed us. Let's pray and go home. I want to talk to you about fear because all along the while you're alive, from the day you're born to the day you die, the enemy wants to put fear in your heart. Always. And so I've really enjoyed this series. It's the last one, so I'm going to take my liberty today. Uh, I learned more about how to converse with God, uh, the God of the universe. Uh, and, and this lesson is the last one, talking to God. Understanding the awful effects of an unhealthy fear. How it can give you bondage. It's an emotional thing that can destroy you. Uh, two words that I, I, I came up with, uh, converse, uh, with the God of the universe. The first word is converse. Uh, the second word is universe. And uh, converse means uh, with a spoken word. With, converse. Con, with, verse, spoken word. And universe means one, uni, one, verse, spoken word. How many know in one spoken word, God said, let there be light, and there was light. The universe exists because of spoken word of God. He's a speaking God. He spoke in the beginning, and it was. And how many know he's going to speak in the end, and it will be? He spoke on the cross and said, it is finished. Anybody thankful for that? So the curse of sin has been broken. The penalty for sin has been paid. Is anybody excited about that? And the power of sin has been broken. He went to, to hell, grabbed the keys of death, hell, and the grave, kicked the devil in the teeth, and said, you're not in charge, I am. And he told us, I don't know how many times, uh, 180 times, maybe more in the Bible, do not fear or 
Be not afraid. And then this verse right here is what I, my text today. This is the secret to it all. I sought the Lord. That is your responsibility. Talk to God about it. Listen, if you hear nothing out through the series, you should have known that it's our responsibility to engage the Lord, to inquire of the Lord, to ask, seek, and knock, to talk to God. I sought the Lord. And look at the second part. And he heard me. Is anybody here thankful that God is a hearing God? Not a God on a totem pole or statue. He's not an idol of stone or anything can be built with man's hands. He's God. And he speaks and he hears. So I sought the Lord and he heard me and look what he did. Oh, man, this is an easy three-point message. We can pray and go home after this verse. He heard me and he delivered me from what? Let me ask you, how many of my fears? All my fears. So Psalm 103 is one of those verses that are kind of like this when you deal with the word all. I just want to break it down real quickly because Psalm 103 says said that he forgives all. Somebody shout all. He forgives all my iniquities or sin. And he heals all my diseases. Right? And so I have this question then. If he heals all my diseases, why do I still get sick? And if, he, and if he forgives all my sin, why do I still have trouble and tribulation and trial and temptation? I'll tell you why. Because although Jesus paid the price for the sin, his own blood, are you with me? How many believe Jesus paid the price for, for the penalty of sin? He also... Broke the back of sin. He took the power out of sin. So you and I do not have to submit to sin today. I said we have power in Jesus' name to overcome sin. Somebody told me this week, I'm a sinner. I said, oh, really? Well, why don't you become a saint? You've only got two categories of people, sinner and saint. Can I tell you, it's not even Jew and Gentile which there are only Jews and Gentiles in God's mind. There's only Jews and Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. If you're not a Gentile, you're probably a Jew. Hello? But the real fact of the matter is you're either a sinner or a saint. That's the only two categories. You're either saved or lost. So here's the deal. He broke. He paid the price for the penalty of sin, and he broke the power of sin. Then why do we still have issues? Because of the presence of sin. Until Jesus comes and transforms us into a glorified state, we still have the presence of sin in this evil world. How many know this world's evil? This world has evil, and, and, and we need to deal with this because we, we learn that we can enjoy our relationship with God. We can converse with God. We looked at Moses. We looked at Habakkuk. We looked at Jesus. We looked at their conversations And it's important that we communicate by talking and listening to our God who actually wants to be with us and bless us to be more like him. It's a relationship. I know Melissa today better after 40 years than I did after four months. Even after three and a half years of dating. She was 16. I was 17. What did we really know? If she would have known today, (laughs) if she would have known back then what she knows today, (laughs) 
I might not be her husband. But she did it by faith. And faith overcomes fear. So be with us, Lord. Amen. Help us today to close out this series, uh, uh, series and deal with fear. So, so coming off the Fear of God series, which was so awesome. Amen. I wanted to close this out with the awful effects of an unhealthy fear. So before we dive into unhealthy fear, I want to first visit what it is to have a healthy fear. A healthy fear. So, oh, there's Converse Universe. Well, maybe you wrote it down, maybe you didn't. But take a picture, Max. It's about to disappear. Okay? Converse is with God. Universe is one word, right? With the word and one spoken word. I just think that we think of God as a spirit being who's not in touch and, and he's not a reality. How many know he's more of a reality than the reality that you think is real? He's real. I said, how many know God is real? He's real. And so before we deal with that, I want to deal with this. The first, there is the healthy fear of God. And, uh, and that's what we talked about with John Bevere. It's a positive fear. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right? It's the beginning of wisdom. Uh, until you have the fear of the Lord, you're not going to understand and you're not going to be able to maneuver. You're going to be affected uh, by the awful sin of pride, the awful uh, effects of fears and emotions and insecurities, uh, things that are trying to take the place of your joy, your peace. It's going to be taken away because you're not walking in the will of God or the word of God. So all that's left, if you don't have faith, all that's left is fear. Are you with me? Proverbs 22, 4. It says that, uh, that the result of humility is the fear of the Lord. So there's a healthy fear, a positive fear. And, uh, and, and I think that the healthy fear is what Paul is talking about in 2 Timothy 1.7 when he says God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit, and Satan uses it as an evil weapon to torment God's people of faith. It's a spirit of fear. It's actually a spirit of fearfulness. It's the word fearfulness, okay? But, but, but here's what he did give us. Power and love and sound disciplined mind, right? That's, that's the difference. That's the unhealthy fear and a healthy fear. So the words for fear are phobos, which is godly fear or fear of God, and dahlia which is moral cowardice or timidity. It's an inward sensation of fear where peace never exists. Fear doesn't breed peace. Faith brings peace and confidence. And fear brings cowardice. Are y'all with me? Are y'all, are y'all, I know the weather's changing, but somebody shout, help me, Lord. There's several things that we can look at. The basic of it is phobos. And phobos is the positive uh, respect for God. It makes the righteous as bold as a lion, not a coward. We're not walking around in the defensive all the time. How many Christians walk around on the defensive? Always afraid. Afraid of their own shadow. Afraid of COVID. Afraid of this. Afraid of that. Afraid of this. Afraid of that. I don't believe God's will is for us to live in fear. And so it's real, though, and it's an inward sensation that affects us. Matthew 8, 23 through 26, uh, you know, Jesus talked about it when, and when he was with the disciples in the boat, and he was sleeping. He was sleeping because faith will let you sleep in the middle of chaos. But a storm rose up on the sea, and the disciples' hearts, when a great storm rose uh, on the Sea of Galilee, 
they were filled with fear. So how do you know the difference? Peace does not exist where there's a spirit of fear. Jesus was sleeping. The disciples felt like they were dying. Wake up, wake up, panicked. Panicked fear. So fear has levels and degrees of fear. You know, there's anxiousness and then there's panic. We're going to die, basically. And so Jesus fell asleep because he didn't give us a spirit of fear. And when he woke up, he said, hey, wait a, wait a minute. Why are you so fearful, oh, ye of little faith? Hey, you woke up. What, what, what's going on? Oh, oh. Be still. He speaks and the winds and the waves obey. Does anybody believe still that God has that kind of power that Jesus? Anybody here believe Jesus has the power to speak to your situation? Say, stop it. Done. Put it to rest. Woo. So there's this protective kind of instinctive fear. It's also common sense. It's a natural, normal, good response. Kind of like crossing the street where Glenstone is. I mean, you better have some faith. You better have some faith to cross Glenstone. Because people are just walking blindfolded, just da-da-da-da. So this is not just walking through life ignorant, right? It's a natural, normal thing. God gave us this built-in fear. It's a basic human emotion that's not necessarily wrong, as this could be necessary for us to grow up with. Right? It's God-given ability to regard certain pending danger with a healthy, protective fear. It can keep you alive. It can keep you alive. So, uh, in a dangerous place. So, a man's, it's, it's for man's preservation. God put a built-in common sense consciousness. When a dog starts to attack you, I got a word for you. Run! Okay? It's not, you don't have to, uh, I wonder... I'm projecting that the dog might just bite my leg off. I'm not sure if this is him actually. God, what are you saying to me? You don't have to worry about God speaking to you. Run. Your leg's about to get chewed off, okay? Since COVID, how many know common sense went out the window? You think I'm joking, but there's a lot of people just say, what's the dog doing? What's the dog doing? He's eating your leg off, son. You didn't run. So it helps you avoid foolish actions that lead to harm. Uh, and so the caution here is to never, here's the caution, is to never allow the reasonable common sense fear to turn into a destroyer of your own peace of mind. So that means we have a choice. Listen to me. You have a choice what you submit to, faith or fear. If you submit to paranoia, you're going to make reactions and actions that are going to be remorseful. You're going to be resulting in regret, right? We don't do that. And so, and so God wants to help us uh, not to face trauma. Now, we all have trauma. Trauma comes into all of our lives. It does. Things happen to good people. I said, bad things happen to good people. And if we're not careful, we'll allow the effects of it to react to it instead of respond to it in faith. We react to it in fear. And if we're motivated by fear, I mean, it'll help you make some bad decisions and choices. So we all have heard about the tiger in the cage, terrorized by the rat in the cage. So in the mind of the tiger, this rat is going to destroy him. When the reality is this Bengal tiger can lift one paw and smash the rat. But in the mind of the tiger, are y'all hearing me? 
in the mind of the tiger, this rat is scaring him to death. Kind of like the elephant who was held and tied and bound by a two-foot stake in the ground. All he had to do was lift his head, pull the stake out, but he thought, I mean, the devil uses this against you. It's warfare, playing with your mind. I said, there's a lion inside of you. You don't have anything to be afraid of. You don't have to cower down. You have faith in God. You're God's child. One drop of his paw could have smashed a rat, but he ran in fear. It allowed fear to cause him to miss the fact that he could have destroyed the rat. So Romans 8.15, I think is powerful, speaks of this unhealthy fear's bondage. As believers, I believe it is possible to live in victory and combat our fears with faith. What is Romans 8.15? Paul refers to this. He said, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. How many know if you realize that God is your Father, you have no reason to fear? Now, I'm not much because I'm human, but I hope to be a good protective father in my home. If I heard a noise, I usually say, honey, go get that, you know. No, I've never said that. Uh, Melissa has a rubber bat underneath our bed, so I pity the poor fool comes into my house. I have a sword that big and a gun, and, and if I have to use it, I will. We have security going around the house today. You know why? We look out for your best interest. We're taking care of our responsibility. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, oh, God is protecting this house and protecting you too. So we do what we can do, and we trust God to do what he can do. Amen? Are y'all following this? So with all the fears people are having in this life, I believe it's possible to choose life without this fear. And do you, do you believe it's possible? The secret is, seek the Lord. He will hear you and deliver you from all of your fears. Amen? So the fact is, fear is mounting worldwide, and things are shaking up economically, politically, physically, prophetically. I mean, you're reading the newspaper with the Euphrates drying up. It just kind of, it didn't uh, make me fearful or paranoid. It just made me stand up and pay attention. So I asked Pastor Bear, I don't know anything about the Euphrates River. I said, how long is the river? He said, 1,700 miles. I said, ask Siri because she knows everything. She's married to some man who knows nothing. She knows everything. Ask Siri, what, uh, uh, how long has this been drying up and how much has dried up? Bear looked up and said, 10, uh, 10 years or so and about 40 miles. 40 miles. But how many know when we, get into, when we get into the tribulation, which we're not getting into, by the way, if you're planning to get in, let me know. I'll give you the keys. You can lock up when the rapture place takes place, and you can go through mid all the way if you want. I'm going all the way, but not through the tribulation. I'm going all the way to heaven. But the fact is that, um, and we'll visit it here because Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, 25 through 26, he's talking about uh, about the middle of the tribulation and some of the signs of the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all the effects of that. And uh, Euphrates River dries up at the end, and then the foot soldiers come over. And God, one word out of his mouth, he annihilates the whole thing. So there are two different events. One is the rapture of the church. The other one is the second coming. 
So the rapture, rapture believe, we believe in assemblies of God. We believe pre-tribulation rapture. Some assembly of God people believe that they're going to go through it. And more power to them. But I'm not one of them. And so we believe that those two great events, one's before the tribulation starts and one's at the end of the tribulation. The rapture is before the tribulation when he comes in the clouds and we meet him in the air. First Thessalonians 4. How many believe that? The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and the we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together, meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be with the Lord. And the Bible says, encourage your people with these words. It's encouraging. We're not supposed to live in faith. We're the rapture bunch. And then there's the other event at the end of the tribulation, before the battle of Armageddon, which is the second coming where it says Jesus' feet will touch the Mount of Olives, right? And every eye shall behold. And we, uh, the church, will go up in the first event. At the second event, we come back riding, right, with our King of kings and Lord of lords. And out of his mouth goes a two-edged sword, and on his vesture and on his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And all the kings of the east, 200 million of them, if not more, Turkey, listen to me, Turkey, China, Russia, Iran, probably Syria, all of those that are are over there mounting up even now, gathering it up even now, are going to gather an army of people the likes you've never seen to come and fight. (laughs) I'm sorry, I Against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, I hate to laugh, but that's like you can get eight hundred million. You can get eight billion. One word out of his mouth, and everything's annihilated. We don't even do anything. We don't even dismount. So don't get arrogant, church. He does it all. He does it all. But look what it says in Luke, because it's pretty powerful to me. He said, and there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them. Why? Why are their hearts failing them? From fear. The word perplexity, the word they, they were passing out. They were just passing out for fear. Not healthy fear. And so this is obviously talking about the middle of the tribulation or the end of the tribulation, right? When all these things start mounting up. And God has divine activity that's going on. The sun. So so even though only 50 or so miles have dried up to this date, they think it's global warming. Everything's global warming. Have you heard that? Say, why, why can't my car start? Well, I'll tell you why. It's global warming. So every, I'm not going there. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to get in trouble in a minute. Global warming. It's, uh, it's Al Gore who invented the Internet. I should have known. Anyway, so, so basically these things are going to be happening. But I started to study and look at it because men's hearts are failing them for fear. And the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
Verse 28, now when you see these things begin, begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. So I know, I know there may be a duality going on. So I know it's the, uh, I know it's the tribulation speaking of some of these uh, divine activities because the Lord can just turn things just a bit with one degree or two of heat and dry up the Euphrates. I mean, the Lord is going to show out. He's going to tell the whole world, I am God and I can do what I want with my sun, my moon, and my stars. It's one thing, right? And so it can be expedited really quickly from 10 years and 50 miles to one day and 1,000 miles. Are you hearing me? Either way, it's the Lord. Who's the instigator? I said, he's the instigator. So nothing's happening by accident. How many know God is in control? Hey, that ought to give you faith and not fear. That's how I read it. And so when you see these things begin to happen. So I asked some friends and I asked different people. I know it's probably uh, the tribulation, but I also said, can this be applicable for, for the church before the rapture? Because Jesus said, we're seeing some signs. I mean, we're having cataclysmic things happen now. Wars and rumors of war and pestilence and all kinds of earthquakes in divers places. And things are happening, chaotic, chaotic things, unexplainable things. And so many scholars have different thoughts, whether this speaks of the rapture or second coming at the same time are, are applicable to each. But these signs will be so great, the world's population will cower in fear to the point of passing out. The Greek word for translation, perplexity, normally refers to being chained, bondage. It means that men will be gripped or bound by anxiety. But believers will stand apart from the unbelieving world at this point, whether they're believers in the tribulation or pre-rapture. Are you all with me? Rather than being in distress, believers will be saying, all right, Jesus is coming soon. Our redemption is drawing near. So don't bow your head in fear. But lift your head in faith and say, my Lord is coming. So whether we go through the tribulation or not, there's an application here for God's people because we trust in our sovereign redeemer, the creator of the universe. We don't have to live in fear and anxiety, even in the face of global, global catastrophe. Even if wars or plagues or natural disasters engulf us and take our lives, we can lift up our heads because our redemption draws near. For death, death, one of the biggest fear things that cause fear, especially for older adults. Death itself should not cause us to fear. Because basically, uh, we just buried Sister Della Nelson this past week. And she completed her salvation that the Lord accomplished on the cross. Amen? People of hope and joy, even when the world is engulfed in anxiety. So the point today is not the timing of the rapture or the second coming. Please don't miss the point. The point I'm making is about fear, and it's not restricted to adults. Fear is not restricted to adults, right? And so I read all of that, and I'm way ahead of myself. But it is not restricted to adults. Kids fear being alone. Kids fear the dark. Kids fear a lot of things. In fact, they asked, I think, 500 psychology students at a university, and they asked them about their fears, and they named 7,000 fears. 500 people named 7,000 fears. Phobias. So youth are fearing rejection. Young adults are fearing failure. Older adults are fearing death or life without meaning. So and doctors identified all kinds of phobias and fears. 
The point is we can't live in victory if we're living in defeat because of fear. So fear is a thief. Are y'all hearing me? The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and one of his weapons, his very famous weapons, is fear. It robs you of your hope. It robs you of your peace. It disturbs your peace. You know, you can get arrested for disturbing the peace. I mean, it's time to arrest Satan, put him under your feet, and say, you will not take a hold of my mind. You will not put me in torment. Life is full of terrorists, full of disasters, full of illnesses. A thousand reasons you can submit to fear if you give in to it. It could paralyze you. Are y'all hearing me today? I've seen people paralyzed. But Jesus came to proclaim freedom for the captive. Amen? And it includes the bondage of fear. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. He's anointed me to live in fear, to wring my hands and walk back and forth. Can you imagine? I just want you to get this image today in your mind. Imagine Father God on the throne who's no longer seated because there's so many bad things going on in our world. And so he stands up and he starts pacing. Oh, what shall I do? What shall I do? No, friends, the Bible says he is seated. He is not alarmed. He is not panicked. He is not nervous. I mean, no, he's on the throne and he's still in charge. I love Psalm I love Psalm 91, 5 through 7. You will not fear the terror of night. You will not. Nor will you fear the arrow that flies by day. Nor will you fear the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. Nor will you fear the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near to you. That's the promise of God. You don't have to live in fear. So where do these fears come from, Pastor? It's a weapon. It's a weapon. Well, it's the number one weapon that makes you feel helpless and hopeless. Here's the last day's trick of the enemy, and i got to quit. In the last days, he wants to make you feel hopeless. He wants to render you hopeless so you won't go all the way. If you quit, if you give up, how many know you've given in to the lies to the intimidation that Paul was telling Timothy, hey, young man, don't be falling for this. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Rise up and be strong and courageous, right? And so he wants us to to be strong, not doubt God or, or, or live in doubt, but live in faith. So you remember the acrostic of faith, uh, of fear, false evidence appearing real, F-E-A-R, false evidence that appears real. So he's a tricker, a deceiver, the angel of light. He's always trying to make it bigger than it is. His very favorite trick is to magnify the monster on the wall, you know, like they magnify. When it's really just a little finger. Like a a rat in a cage compared to a tiger. Are y'all following any of this? So it makes you think the worst. It's never going to get better. He blows things up, appearing larger than life. Fear is a real feeling that can't be denied, but we must never submit to this unhealthy fear. It's amazing how it can affect your life and your personality. It causes paranoia. I think of Saul in 1 Samuel 28, 58. When Saul saw the enemy of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. David, on the other hand, 16-year-old boy with a little slingshot and a rock. 
had faith. Saul, the king who stood shoulders ahead and shoulders above the rest, had fear. Which one won? I mean, no, the giant came down because faith. The Israel army trembled in fear because they were led by Saul. Verse 6, when he inquired of the Lord, look at this. He inquired of the Lord. He did inquire of the Lord. And the Lord heard him, right? No, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. So Saul said, find me a woman, a medium, to call Samuel from the grave. So when heaven is silent, you have this gap. Listen to me. There's a gap when sometimes you can't hear the Lord. And so now you're getting paranoid and you're assuming that God's not going to intervene. But the reason God didn't intervene for Saul, you know why. He rebelled when God told him to annihilate the Amalekites. He he disobeyed and disobedience brings separation. So Samuel told Saul, Samuel came, it was amazing, the witch of Endor. Samuel told Saul, you know why God didn't respond to you, right? Because you rebelled against his command, therefore you are on your own. Hey, you better fear if you're on your own. You have a reason to fear if you're on your own. But if you're with God, how many know there's no reason to fear? If God is for you, who can be against you? No reason to fear. Verse 7, Saul said, find me a woman. And um, Saul, filled with fear, went from calling the Lord to calling on Satan. Fear can render you useless. No place for that in the kingdom. For we are in a battle against Satan, and we need a spirit-filled people of faith and courage. Finally, fear actually brings on the thing that you fear. (laughs) Peter uh, is a great illustration. He feared sinking on the waves. Remember that? Bid me come to you on the water, Lord. The Lord said, come on. And the waves are crashing and the storm going on, right? And Peter steps out in faith. You can make fun of him. There were still, look, 11 others in the boat. Only one got out. Come on. Takes faith to get out of the boat. So he started walking on the water, but fear gripped his heart. Fear of the wave he was walking on gripped his heart, and the very wave, the very thing he feared was the thing that sunk him. Are you seeing that? So it actually brings the very thing on that you're fearing. Revelation 21, 8, look at this. All cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars have their place in the lake of fire. Cowards are in there with murderers. Because Satan so grips their mind, he actually transforms them away from God instead of toward God. So how do you overcome? Real quickly, real easy. Y'all can come back, Sister Chrissy. I said all of this. Realize it's not a characteristic of a believing Christian to have fear. The fruit of the Spirit is love, faith, joy, peace, right? And peace can have that and fear in the same house. Also, you resist all kind of negative fears. Put Jesus in his rightful place. How many know if you put Jesus on the throne, then the devil won't be able to affect you? Activate your faith in God. Focus on the Father's love. If God loves me, he's not going to let anything happen to me. No more not let anything happen to Melissa or my girls or my grandbabies. They call me when they were in wrecks or, or, or get, uh, get a, a tire flat or, 
or even can't start my car. I can't start my car. I mean, before, before she gets the key out of the ignition, daddy's there. Are y'all hearing me? They were not spoiled, just well taken care of. Bougie. <laughs> anyway, one time she called, Dad, I can't start my car. I'll be right there. So you know how your steering wheel is too far over and you got to pull it and then turn it? It was that easy. It's kind of like calling the electrician when your power went out and just flicked the switch. And thank you, sir. Here's $100. I'm an idiot. So, so if you look to Father God, how many know it's better? Look at this. Your position in Christ, 1 Peter 3, 14. But even if you suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. No matter what happens to you, you're blessed. Don't forget, you're blessed. Somebody shout, I'm blessed. You're blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord in your heart. Set the Lord aside, holy, in your heart. And look, verse 17, and look, for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. It'd be better, listen to me, it's better to go to heaven with cancer than to go to hell without it. Don't fear what the world fears. You are blessed, even if you're in a state of suffering. I want our prayer partners to come back. Just want to set apart our hearts for Christ. And maybe you're going through something. Fear has overrun you. You can't sleep. You can't think. You can't function. Put your faith in God. It's faith is the enemy of fear. You can you can faith. You can have faith or you can have fear. But there's no room for both. Isaiah 26:3. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. Focus on the Father. He loves you. Gives you hope in hard times. Never lose focus of the fact that you are in His presence and His help is on the way. The word of the Lord today was, you are in His presence. I want our prayer partners to come back. I don't know, maybe I missed that. Everybody stand to help the prayer partners along the way. They don't have to crawl over you. So, the last one is pray. Pray. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. They overcame the enemy by the word of the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Quit allowing your fear to bring doubt, anxiety, injury, insecurity, paralysis. Fear and its effect can freeze out, freeze us up in our tracks and robs us from God's best. Confess your fear this morning to the Lord. Be honest with the Lord. Work on building your faith up. Pray in the Spirit. Amen the most holy faith. Pray for strength to defeat your enemies. Ask in faith. Reject fear daily. Claim God's power to help you. I'm done. We're going to go to the altar. There's bound to be somebody here today entrapped, bondage, fear, anxiety about the future. Satan told you it's never going to happen. Satan lied, tell you you're always going to be this and it's always going to be like that. You're never going to get a break. You're never going to get a healing. You're never going to get the victory. How I many know the devil is a liar? Fear has two meanings. Forget everything and run and face everything and rise. It's your choice.
The altars are open. Father God, those who have a need this morning, I pray that you speak to their hearts. Speak to their hearts. May they respond. We need to learn how to listen to you. We need to learn how to talk to you. Even when there's silence, we need to trust you. We need to be so sensitive to your voice. We need to be so sensitive to your voice. To the way you speak to us, we need to know our relationship needs to be tried. No matter what the enemy does, no matter what circumstances surrounding us, touch your people as they respond this, this morning. In Jesus' name. Say, Pastor.